Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Mind Over Matter. My name is Abby Anderson. I started this podcast to kind of discuss a variety of mental health challenges, coping mechanisms, um, different ways that we deal with the struggles of the world, both current and past, understanding relationships, talking about food and body and anxiety, all things kind of in that space. I try to steer, steer clear of saying health and wellness, but it does fall into that category. Um, stuff that I'm really passionate about and struggle with myself are often the topics that present itself on this podcast. So most of the titles are pretty straightforward. Um, as you'll see, the episode title for today is um, kind of how to say no. It's going to be in that realm, but more so why we're anxious about saying no to something that we don't actually want to do and where that comes from. So if you're someone who has struggled with social anxiety or um, people pleasing, saying no, I think this episode will be really helpful. It's something that I am continuing to work on and I just have found that talking about it is the best way to grow and heal from it. There's tons of reasons why it could come up for you, um, which we will discuss a little bit, but I mostly just want to provide the space for people to think about um, what they're saying yes to, why they're saying yes to it, and if it's really serving them. So thank you for being here, and I hope you like this episode. So the first thing I want to touch on is just where social anxiety or the um, need or act of saying no can become so distressful for a lot of us. And I think most of it comes from a much more deep-seated event as opposed to just a fear in that moment. I think there's always a reason why people do the things that they do, especially when it has to do with the relationships they have with others. A lot of the patterns that we exhibit as humans are going to come from prior experiences. So for example, I've struggled with saying no or prioritizing something that I want to do when there is an event or a social engagement that comes up because I fear what will happen in the end if I do that. So if I say no, are these people going to ask me to hang out again? Or if I say no, are people going to talk about me when I'm not there? Or if I say no, um, do people think that I'm not a good friend? So those things that I am perceiving as a part of saying no are really intense. It's not just a small issue or something that you can just kind of shrug off because it has to do with a much deeper issue, which is a lack of self-confidence, maybe low self-esteem, fear of um, abandonment, loss. A lot of the times people with experiences um, either in family relationships, friend, or romantic relationships, uh, have had an experience where they've lost someone, maybe um, in a situation where they didn't think they did anything wrong or it happened unexpectedly. And because of that, when you do very basic things, you fear that that could still happen again, even if you didn't actually intend for it to. So a lot of people with family trauma or divorced parents, maybe a, a parent that they lost, a friendship that went really badly or a romantic relationship that ended abruptly, you can fear um, pretty easily that some small 
act can create this kind of catastrophic event. And that is just a byproduct of our neural pathways and past experiences that we've had, like I said, but it doesn't mean that it's true. And that's the thing that I have been working on myself to kind of rewire and unwind in the sense that just because something happened in a situation in my past doesn't mean A, it's going to happen again, or B, that it was even rooted in anything I did in the first place. So that can be a very healing thing to remember. Um, Kind of asking yourself, taking a moment to think, where is this coming from? Where does my social anxiety stem from? Is it something that happened to me as a kid? What do I believe about myself that is making me have this social anxiety? Um, How can I build my self-confidence to know that I... um, have autonomy over my own life, I can make those decisions and people aren't going to leave me. And unfortunately, relationships do come and go, but I am a firm believer that the people who are meant to be in your life will stay. And it's not supposed to feel like hard work to have positive friendships, especially. I do obviously believe that there's going to be times where you have to put hard work into marriage or family relationships, but your friendships are supposed to be um, very nourishing and healthy. They're not supposed to take constant work, constant battle, fighting. You know, it's not supposed to be something that is so disheveling. So that's just a one thing to to really dive into for yourself is questioning where the roots are of the anxiety you're experiencing, so that you can, you know, mystify and demystify their existence and then better be able to support yourself in those moments. So what can you do in a situation where you feel that social anxiety come up? You are fearing the decision that you want to make because of what other people are going to respond or think about you. Step one is to realize that you do not have any control over what people do think or act. And That can be hard to accept because control is something that all humans crave to some extent or another, but accepting the fact that you really don't have autonomy over anyone except for yourself is the first step in being able to let go of that desire to control other people. If you just rule it out as something that you can't do, it's going to help you to stop striving for the impossible, and that impossible is trying to control. So Acknowledge that it's not up to you to decide how people feel and you can be perfect and still upset people. You can do everything you can to try and make people happy. It's not your job. It's not within your power and it's not within your reach to be honest. Obviously, we are able to have positive effects on people's livelihood as well as negative effects. But when it comes down to it, you don't control their thoughts and everyone's individual thoughts are what create their feelings and thereby create their actions. So Remember that it is not your job, nor is it in your power to affect other people. Step two is to ask yourself what you really want to do. So knowing that you don't control other people, ask yourself what you want to do, what is going to serve you in that moment, what's going to make you happy. If you're having social anxiety about something that you don't even really want to attend, that should be a sign in and of itself that this anxiety isn't coming from want, you know, wanting to, to make some event that you physically can't or missing out on something you really want to attend, but is purely based off of the expectations of other people, which I'm trying to become confident enough to see 
that that is reason in and of itself to not attend. You don't want to do things only for other people because you will end up both being disappointed in yourself, being run down, and can eventually resent the people who you're doing these things for because it's not aligned with you and it's not something you want to do. So that step two is to really find out if if this thing that you could participate in is something that you truly want to participate in. And if the answer is no, step three is to provide yourself with the assurance that you get to make that decision for yourself and you can respectfully respond to the invitation or the idea of doing something in a way that is respectful of the people who are involved while also being respectful to yourself. Step four, which is the hardest part for me, is to not explain or over-explain yourself when you decline something. So if you're, if it's something that you want to do and you're not feeling anxious about it and you say yes, that can be the end of the story. If it's something you don't want to do or you can't do and you need to say no, you say no, you can give your reason why, but you don't need to explain why. You don't have to go into a paragraph response of all the things you have to do or how tired you are or how you wish you could come but you can't. That ends up just creating kind of a situation bigger than it needs to be. And when you flip the script, I think that's the best way to understand this situation. If someone's telling you that they can't go and they just say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm really busy that day, I can't come. Or, hey, I'm sorry, I have dinner with my dad that night, I can't come. That's a very easy way to say, okay, great, sounds good, see you next time. But if you say, oh my God, I'm so tired, this week has been insane, my dad wants me to have dinner with him, but I really want to see you guys, but I don't think I can because I need to go to dinner, that's just annoying to other people to have to read or to have to like soothe you then for the emotion you're putting on them of kind of the indecisiveness, which ends up just putting a burden on both of you because you're stressed out by what you said and they're stressed out with how to respond. So that's something that I'm really working on right now and kind of looking at it from the perspective of other people when you think about those messages or the conversation itself will help you to not do it because you just kind of flip the script. Like anything, looking at something from someone else's perspective can help you have a better objective of kind of how to proceed. So now that you have the couple of steps with how to deal with it, I will say once that situation is over, it becomes a question of how you feel and why you feel that way. So after you decline an invite, we're going with the situation that you don't want to go to something and or can't go. Um, If you feel a lot of anxiety about it, I think it is a good time to turn inwards to not. The thing that I struggle with is I do believe that talking about things and asking for guidance from other people can be extremely healing. However, I am starting to believe and also starting to put into practice the idea of self-soothing before you do that. And I've talked to my best friend about this a lot because for a long, long, long time, I was always reaching out to be um, reassured about decisions that I made or feelings that I was having. It was really hard for me to know that I was doing the right thing or that what I was feeling was valid without someone telling me it was, which is still kind of true because like I said, I'm working on it. But the point is, if you're able to work on self-soothing, which in the practice of that will help you with self-esteem in general, it will also eliminate the burden you're putting on other people to kind of manage your emotions, which like I said earlier, is not anyone's job. And they can't, just like you can't control other people, they can't control you. So 
you telling someone a feeling that you're having doesn't automatically give them the power to change it. You might think that it does because we like people to help us, to reassure us, to comfort us, which is so fine and so normal. But I think the important aspect is to be able to do it for yourself first. And then once you've understood where you're at, of course, go to a friend or a family member, someone you trust or love to kind of talk about the situation with and gain more clarity. Other people's opinions and advice do help bring more objective points of view. Um, And on that same topic, some advice I've given to a lot of my friends is to not necessarily seek that from the people who are involved in the situation because one, they can't be objective. And two, again, it's putting a burden on them for a decision that like you are responsible for making yourself. And this kind of sounds like tough love. If someone was telling me this a year ago, I'd probably be frustrated because I am um, very sensitive and also, like I said, do seek the opinions of others a lot of the time. But I'm telling myself this right now, which is the reason I'm telling all of you guys, because I think it is so helpful. And you gain a lot of intuitive resilience when you can self-soothe and you also like I said gain that confidence to be able to make your own decisions without needing someone to tell you that it's okay. So here are a couple of questions that I have actually saved on Instagram from the Realized Empath account. If you don't follow it and you're a sensitive person I highly recommend it. She is incredible. Um, But it's called the Weekend Commitment Assessment and Realistically, you could use this to any commitment that you have, um, but that's just what it's titled if you want to go find it on Instagram. Um, So these are the questions. One, do my plans align with the highest vision of myself? So I would say highest vision is interchangeable with higher version of yourself. So are these plans something that align with your values, your interests, the places or people that you want to spend your time at or with? and if it does align with the the human that you are ideally trying to be, then that's a good sign. If it doesn't, that is a um, helpful um, answer to decipher whether you want to engage in something or not. The second question is, is the plan nurturing to my soul? So a lot of the time I think people do have gut reactions to, to things, but oftentimes they chalk it up to something else or they just ignore it. And there's two problems with this. One you um, push your intuition down, which in the end gives distance between yourself and your highest knowing. And that inevitably makes it harder to make those decisions that are aligned with yourself in the future. Because if you're having this gut reaction that you are ignoring or stuffing down, that just makes your body feel like you can't trust it, can't trust your mind or your um, internal sense of knowing. So Pay attention to that. Don't ignore it because I think that it ends up creating more problems down the line. And then the other problem with it is not only are you creating space between yourself and your intuition, but you're also probably about to engage in something that your body is telling you no. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because you're tired, maybe it's because you have a prior engagement, but for some reason that gut reaction is triggering um, a response for some reason and listening to that is going to get you further to your truth than ignoring it. The third question is, who am I doing this for? So I brought this up earlier, but if the plan is something that you're excited about and interested in and you have to say no for some reason, that's one thing. But if it's something that you don't want to do and you're doing it for somebody else, the feeling of saying no isn't because you are personally um, sad you can't attend. It's a feeling that you're having based off of 
the expectations or external environment um, that you're worried about disappointing. So if you're doing it for someone else, you're more likely to feel um, just kind of icky. I think that's the best explanation for me. When I don't want to do something that I'm making myself do, it doesn't feel good. If you're excited and motivated, doing something is going to feel positive and happy. It's going to give you energy. If you're doing it for someone else or to fulfill some expectation that's not aligned with you, it's going to feel like it's dragging you down, draining your energy, and leaving you depleted instead of full. And then the last question is, do I want to do this? So in essence, all those questions are kind of aligned with, do you want to do it? Is it something that feels good, that feels um, engaging, and that is going to provide you something? Or is it something that you don't want to do, but you're feeling the expectation that you have to? So really, moral of the story is ask where the intention is coming from, why you are participating in something, and if you even want to. And obviously, it's a lot easier said than done to just never do anything that you don't want to do and only do things that are aligned with your highest spiritual self, which sounds fantastic, but we all know is not necessarily realistic. Unfortunately, we do do things often that we don't necessarily want to do, whether that is a job that we have for now to make money or if it's a family engagement that we are, you know, sucking up and just attending because it's our family, you know, and, and that could be a whole different podcast in and of itself, just because you have a relationship with someone for a long time, or just because someone's family doesn't obligate you to give all of your time or energy to them. But again, that's a different discussion. So the point is, it's a lot easier said than done. But the little steps that you make to understand um, what you want and need is going to make that anxiety a little bit less inhibiting because you'll understand it. So the first step in any sort of healing or rewiring of a brain, in my opinion, is to understand where it's coming from. So like I said, understand what you are feeling anxious about, whether that's just the fact that you are sad you can't do something, or if it's coming from the fact that you're nervous about what other people are going to think, which are two very, very different things. If you're sad you can't go to something, you can make new plans and do it again the next day or um, see that person a different time. But if it's something that you are anxious about because you're worried of how someone else is going to perceive it, that's a deeper rooted issue that you can kind of unpack for yourself. And I always talk about journaling because it's something I do a lot, but I recognize it's not for everyone. However, when you're trying to understand yourself, writing things down is so helpful. Talking is helpful, yes, but writing it down, being able to look back at things, trying to kind of piece together different parts is just like, it's life changing. So if you haven't tried it, at least give it a shot. Um, but yeah, so understanding where you're coming from with uh, the feelings that you're having and then being able to self-soothe is the two biggest takeaways that I would um, invite you to have from this episode. Self-soothing um, will give you more clarity on where your feelings are coming from, what you need to make you feel better. So like I said, sometimes seeking um, the guidance of someone who's removed from the situation can help, uh, especially someone who might be a little bit wiser or older or who has gone through these experiences before. I often find that spending time with people who are really sure of themselves is a great way to help you build your self-confidence because you're watching people exhibit those patterns that are really healthy, um, that have people that have boundaries, people that have um, high self-esteem and they are self-assured. These are more often than not, the securely attached people. So in relationships, they 
Um, they know their own worth and they don't let um, other people, or at least not as much, everyone's affected by our relationships, but they don't let um, the opinions and expectations of others weigh them down to the point that it's affecting their perception of themselves. And that would be the biggest um, line to draw, I think, between people who are going to be more anxious about relationships as opposed to people who are more secure. And finally, when it comes to handling social anxiety, I think it is very beneficial to not expect drastic changes in a short period of time. Like I said, I'm talking about this now like I put it all into practice because I try to, but it definitely doesn't happen all the time. And I struggle with people pleasing and um, seeking validation a lot of the time. So I understand how hard it is, but I just think that the awareness is so, so, so important. And the more that we can help ourselves to kind of reframe the thoughts that we have around these experiences will ultimately help us shift. Our, our behavior in the future. So whether that means understanding that your anxiety is coming from an internal experience as opposed to anything that's actually holding truth in your um, current life, that can be helpful to just kind of say, I know this has happened to me before, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen again, um, as well as kind of helping yourself understand that we do not have the control over other people that um, we sometimes want to convince ourselves we have, and that is a very draining life to live. If we are going to try and be there for everyone at all times, that is a very easy way to deplete your own cup while you try to fill up those of others. And again, the more that we can have um, self-confidence in the decisions that we make, that not only heals our um, past trauma of those experiences, but also gives other people permission to create their boundaries and to stick up for themselves. And people respect people who respect themselves. That sounds a little redundant, but it's very, very true. Uh, I, again, like I said, spending time with people who are able to do that is helpful for me. Um, and that is going to hold true too for the people who spend time with you. If you, um, you know, are always kind of shy or always just going with the flow, being what my um, therapist has called before a chameleon, just kind of always shape-shifting and taking on the personality or the expectations of anyone you're around. That's not like, you know, the epitome of a high confidence, happy and content person. It's a very exhausting life to continually try to please others and to be, um, you know, whoever they want in whatever situation. So understanding yourself more, knowing what fills you up, knowing what aligns with you is the first step to being able to participate in the things that you want to and say no to the things that you don't. And then once you're able to decipher between your yeses and nos, it's just a practice of that self-soothing, of the guidance from others who are not necessarily involved in the situation. And the practice makes perfect motto. The more that you do it, the more you'll see that you are allowed to do it, that people aren't going to react in the ways that you might fear they're reacting and um, creating space for people in your life to do the same thing. So that is all for this episode. And thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate all of you who have stayed and listened to this podcast. If you haven't already, please leave a rating 
as well as a review if you have the time. I would really appreciate it. It's still a pretty new podcast with not a ton of episodes, but I do think that the messages are all very applicable to anyone, all gender, all ages, all everything. Um, It is a very well-rounded, just kind of basic approach to a lot of our thought processes and things that I think everyone deals with in today's society. So I really am thankful for anyone who supports this and me. Uh, It's just a fun outlet for me and it's something that I'm really passionate about. So thank you again and stay tuned for the next episode.